A huge good morning to all of you. I'm thinking of everybody at our Bolingbrook campus. Good morning. And 95th, our Wheaton people, Hobson folks. We are on an adventure in grace. Grace, you know, it's this dynamic, this strange dynamic, not native to planet Earth, born out of the very heart of God. And grace has the power to change everything, to change the way we see life, see ourselves, see God. See relationships. And so we're diving into Jesus' teaching on grace when he taught through parables. I love these stories Jesus uses. And they are so simple and yet so profound. And driving grace not only into our heads, but into our hearts. Helping us experience it all the way. And so just a bit of a reminder uh, we're seeing all the stuff grace does, and we discovered in week one we were, were saved by grace. Do you remember through the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, we learned that our reconciliation with God, our residency in heaven someday, it's not because we're good. It's not because we're, we earned it. It's a, it's a grace. It's a undeserved blessing. Grace is undeserved blessing, and our salvation is undeserved. And then last week we learned we are defined by grace. That means that if you want to know who you are, if you want an accurate understanding of yourself, you need to see yourself through the lens of grace. And we studied three parables, a trilogy of parables. The parables of the lost things. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And through those parables we can see, wow, I am who I am. Because of grace. And that brings us to this week. Blessed by grace. And the idea here is that when you look at all the good stuff in your life, all the blessings that you enjoy, did you earn them or are they grace? Well, let's find out. Hey, I I have a shopping bag here. And this shopping bag, uh, it wasn't actually this exact shopping bag, but one like it that was standing or sitting in our bedroom for for weeks, months actually, and it had a shirt I had been given from my mother-in-law for, from Chris, back at Christmas, and unfortunately it didn't fit, so I needed to return it, and I was putting it off. I hate shopping. I'll just say it, just real frankly. Can't, I know you may love shopping. I can't stand it, and so I think that's probably why I was putting it off. And finally, I looked at the receipt, and I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, this shirt was born three months ago. I may have waited too long. I don't know if they'll take it back at this point, but I got to try. So I took the shirt, and finally, recently, I went to the store, and I just owned my failure to the lady. I'm like, listen, I got a shirt I need to return. It was bought three months ago. Can I still return it? She says, well, do you have the receipt? Yeah, here's a gift receipt. She's like, yes, you can return it. And I'm like, fantastic. She said, only for store credit, though. We don't uh, do cash exchange. I'm like, that's great. And so she gives me a card and says, go ahead and spend this card. I go, how much is it, by the way? She says, 110 bucks. <laughs> I love my mother-in-law. All of a sudden, I just feel this deep love for her. Couldn't believe she had spent 110 bucks on a shirt. Well... I had so much fun. I'm walking around. It turns out it's not shopping I hate so much as spending is what I hate. <laughs> and when you take this spending dynamic out, and I'm not having to put out a dime, it was quite enjoyable. I'm like, all right, what would I like around here, you know? And I really had a great 
time. Now, there's one uh, example of a guy returning a shirt having a very good experience. Let me tell you about a second guy returning a shirt. Same week, ironically. Yes, I went, I went shopping twice in one week. This time, my wife and I were out for lunch at the mall, and she said, Jeff, can we shop a little bit afterwards? I'm like, no. She said, uh, let's just divide and conquer. We'll do it quick. I'm going to buy something for our daughter, Janae. Your son has burned holes in the knees of all of his pants. Would you buy pants for Jake? We'll get out quick. I'm like, all right. So I'm looking for pants for Jake. When I can't help but overhear this guy come up to the counter and say, I got this shirt. I need to return it. Doesn't fit. And I'm like, oh, sounds familiar. My brother from another mother over there. And uh, the, the lady says, do you have a receipt? And he says, no, I don't have a receipt. So I, I'll just take uh, store credit. And she said, sir, I'm sorry, but we can't re- return this if you don't have a receipt. And he's like, man, I spent my hard-earned money on this shirt. I want it returned. And she looks at the shirt. She goes, sir, there are no tags on this shirt. He's like, well, I took the tags off. And she's like, well, I don't even know. I can't even prove you bought it from this store. I'm sorry, without tags, without a receipt. And this guy starts getting angry at this point. He is like, this is ridiculous. I want to return the shirt. I bought it here. I want it returned. And she's like, I can't. He says, I want to see your manager now. She said, I'm, I am the manager. <laughs> this guy was livid. And he just said, with customer service this poor, this business deserves to go down. And he put his shirt into the bag and he stormed out of that place. And it was, it was a real mess. And, and I got thinking, uh, what a different experience. Two guys, both returning their shirts. One of them had just a joy in it. And the other, a miserable experience. And I'll tell you why. The reason they were so different is that my experience was all about grace, and his bad experience was all about merit. Do you understand the difference? Grace is something you don't deserve. Merit is when you've earned something and you feel like you do deserve it. And what's so curious is how different the dynamics are. My grace experience, I was like, listen... I, I'm to blame. I waited three months for this. If I get nothing for this shirt, that's understandable. And I found out that I had 110 bucks I don't deserve. And it's not my 110 bucks anyways. I'm just, woohoo, all joy when it's undeserved grace. But when you think, I worked hard for this and I deserve better, it leads to resentment and disappointment when you don't get what you believe you deserve. Question for you. All the stuff of your life, which bag does it belong in? You know, when you look at everything that's beautiful and good about your life, the things you own, the people you love, the abilities you have, which bag does it go in? Did you earn it? Or is it grace? Simple question, but profound in its implementation. Implications. And friends, every one of us views life through one of the two lenses, or maybe a mixture of the two. And we need to understand what it is. Is it merit or is it grace? And so let's learn from Jesus, shall we? Jesus told this parable it's the parable of the workers in the vineyard. 
It's found in Matthew 20, but we're going to back up to the context. Anytime we see a parable Jesus told, it's always fun to say, what was happening in that moment, and why did he tell this story at this moment? And the context, you have to go back into Matthew 19, just a few verses earlier, and I want to read verse 27. Peter, a disciple of Jesus, Peter said, we left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Did you catch what Peter's saying? We've sacrificed so much, the 12 of us. We've sacrificed more than anyone else for your cause. So what's in it for us? Peter's uh, asking a merit-based question. He's saying, listen, we've given, what do we get in return? Now, Jesus graciously answers this question and says, listen, God blesses those who sacrifice so much. Peter uses a 10 times analogy. He says, listen, the blessings God gives you will be 10 times as much as you've sacrificed for his cause. And Peter says, or Jesus says, not only will you be blessed by God in this life, you'll be blessed in the next life in heaven as well. So having answered the question, though, I think Jesus is, doesn't say this, but based on the parable, I think Jesus was just saying, Peter, I'm a little troubled by your merit lens, your sense of God owes you because you've given so much. Peter, how about a story? Jesus is able to address complex theological misunderstandings again and again through parable, and that's what he does right now. So you ready? Luke, I'm sorry, Matthew 20, verse 1. And I'm just going to read through with minimal comment. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning, and you should know the workday starts at 6 a.m., so went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius amount of money for the day. And he sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. A little shift there. Not a denarius, but I'll pay you what's right. He's their promise. So they went. He went out again at noon. And then he went out again about three in the afternoon. And he did the same thing as he had done before. And then about five in the afternoon he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked these five o'clock people, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one hired us, they answered. And so he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Notice no mention of pay at all. Next verse. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages. Beginning with the last ones hired, the people at five o'clock, start with them. And then going on to the first ones hired. So the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each of them received a denarius. So those who came, so those who were hired first, they expected to receive more than that. But each one of them was also given a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last, 
They worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he, the landowner, said to them, I am not being unfair to you, my friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am so generous? Interesting story. First of all, the dynamics that is ex- described here is something that was very common in the first century world of Jesus. Vineyards required massive amounts of harvesters. The, the vineyard uh, growing venture had a very narrow harvest season. When the grapes are ready to be harvested, it was almost time for the rains, the fall rains to come. And once the fall rains started to fall, the, the chance of harvesting was over. And so with this narrow window, they would try to get all their grapes harvested by hiring lots of day laborers. A day laborer were these guys who would stand at a certain place in the marketplace eager to work. And the ancient world understood 6 a.m. to be when it officially starts. And so they'd be standing there. And this guy's like, hey, I'm going to hire a whole bunch of you. I want to get these grapes harvested fast. But then curiously, he comes back at 9 a.m. Let's call it morning coffee break. And he says, you know, I'm not satisfied with the work being done on my Vineyard, I'm going to hire more guys. Get out there, and I'll pay you what's right. And then at noon, he added to his labor force, I'll pay you what's right. And then at three, the afternoon coffee break, you too, I'll pay you what's right. And then really curiously, at 5 p.m., one hour before quitting time, he sees some workers still waiting, and he comes to them, and he says to them, hey, you guys want to work? Yeah, we've been wanting to work all day. And he says, get out in my field, work. No mention of pay. Isn't that curious? It's as if those workers said, hey, I just want to work. And I'll trust that this guy will do what he sees right regarding reward and compensation. And then uh, they all work. And at the end of the day here, so funny how these guys who were hired at six were originally very delighted with the previously agreed upon plan. 12 hours of labor, for one denarius. They're like, yeah, that's fair. But then they, when they see that this guy was willing to pay a whole denarius for only one hour for the five o'clock, you know, they're doing a little per hour calculation and realizing that that guy's making 12 times as much per hour as I'm making. And they get indignant and so upset. Friends, it's a fascinating parable. And it's revealing that People expect that God operates on a merit-based system. That when God blesses, it's because they've worked for him that amount. And that the amount he picks is based on their contribution to his kingdom. And through this parable, God's showing, no, it's all grace. It's all grace. When I pay, it's never been based on how much you deserve. I am a generous God, and I will give grace-based as I am inclined. 
This parable is also interesting because it shows the difference in experience between merit-based people. The 6 a.m., they're merit-based. They're like, listen, I'll work, but I better get my fair share. And when they feel they're not getting their fair share, they're bitter, they're jealous, they're angry. What about the 5 p.m. people? Are they... No, his experience was grace-based. He's like, darling, look what I got paid today. I got a denarius for one hour. I didn't deserve that, but I got it. Oh, the joy of receiving grace. Friends, uh, I would uh, ask you, friends, um, what is your perception of the good things that you have? Do you have them? because you earned them? Do you have good in your life because you deserve it? Or do you understand that the giver of all good things, being God, has never given reward, blessing, based on merit, but his gracious heart? When I look at this parable, I'm reminded of a movie I saw many years ago, uh, Amadeus. Maybe some of you have seen the play or the movie, if you're so inclined to go see it based on my little illustration here, there are a couple versions of the movie Amadeus. I recommend the PG version. All right, there it is. Um, let me tell you the story. It's, it's about, you know, what a name, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. You know, this incredible musician. But it's not just about him. It's about a contemporary of his by the name of Antonio Salieri. Antonio was a little older than Mozart and famous before Mozart and viewed before Mozart as the greatest composer of music in the world. Turns out in this, in this movie or play that uh, Antonio Salieri had made a little deal with God, a contract, if you will. He said, God, here's what I'm going to give. I'm going to give you my whole life. Lord, I will live devoted to you and your cause. I will write songs of worship and praise that advance your interest. Here's what I want you to do for me, God. Make me the greatest musician in the world. And, uh, you know, he understood he and God to have this arrangement. He felt great about this merit-based plan. Until what? Until Mozart comes along. And Mozart's this immature, wild, you know, uh, just crazy young punk who Salieri has the musical es- expertise to recognize that Mozart is a genius musically. The more he studies what Mozart writes, the more he realizes, I can't touch that stuff. And he burns with jealousy. And his jealousy leads to bitterness at God. It's, it's a, the whole merit-based thing. God, we had a deal. I would give you this, but you got to give me that. And why have you blessed this guy even more than me? Do you see the parallel to that parable that we just saw where the guy was perfectly content with his denarius until he saw that the, that the landowner was giving someone else even more? And then he's all angry about it. Salieri gets so bitter at God that he prays a prayer, and I'll read it. It's a horrible prayer, blasphemous words. He says to God in a prayer, from now on, we are enemies, you and I. 
because you chose to greatly bless a boastful, lustful, smutty, infantile boy and gave me only the ability to recognize his genius. Because, God, you are unjust, unfair, unkind, I will oppose you, I swear it. Mm. It's a horrible prayer. But you see, the bitterness, the merit-based system, I get from God what I deserve, leads to people shaking their fist at God when they see others getting more and saying, I deserve that. How come I'm not getting that? It's an ugly, ugly way to go. Now, many of you are like, I would never be like Sally Airy and get against God in that way. Well, good. Glad to hear that. But there's a little salary in all of us. Can I point yours out? Here, let's do a little experiment. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever noticed how you are more devoted to the Lord than maybe other family members or other neighbors or other people you know? I mean, I'd just simply point out that you're at church right now and they're not. Does that strike in your advantage? Or, or maybe you give financially to our church. Maybe you give generously. Maybe you give 10% as God instructs, the tithe, 10% of your income to his cause or beyond. And they're not doing that. They're not giving a dime. Or maybe you say, I serve in the church free of charge. I volunteer and, and find a place where I can give my time investing in God's cause. They don't do any of that. They're, they're, they're just out sinning, doing things God said not to, and I'm really striving to conform my behavior to biblical instruction. And then you say to yourself, then why in the world are they doing so well? I am following God so much more than they, and yet everything is going their way. They're living a charmed life. What's up with this? What are we saying in that moment? I deserve better. That's a merit-based system. Because I've invested more into God and his cause, I should have a better life than them. I deserve better circumstances because of them. Folks, I've been there, and I'm guessing you have too. Or here's another example of the Salieri in all of us. Have you ever been overwhelmed by bad news? The doctor tells you the bad news. Your boss tells you the bad news. A family member calls and tells you the bad news. And when you receive the bad news, you're like, no, why? Why me, God? Why is this happening? When you say, why me? You're essentially saying, I deserve better. I'm freaking out and shocked by this because I, as I look at myself and what I've done, I am convinced I deserve a life more free of hardship than what I'm receiving. It's all merit-based, and it creeps in more than we realize it does. And friends, what we need to do instead is say, listen, I deserve nothing. Let me show you a verse. Uh, Psalm 103, verse 10. Simple verse. It says, God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Be careful what was saying to God. Hey, I deserve better. Oh, yeah? Are you saying you want what you deserve? Here's what we deserve. We deserve nothing but punishment. Our sins 
are nasty. You know, sin is our decision to rebel against God's authority, to not do the very things he's asked us to do, or to do the very things he's told us not to do, and we do it all the time. And as sinners, what we deserve is alienation from him and all the goodness he brings. And so don't go, this I deserve better. Don't ever say that. Those are dangerous words. Spiritual entitlement, I deserve better. That's a merit-based system that will not serve you well. Instead, we should humbly recognize, I deserve nothing. And anything good and beautiful in my life is a grace-based gift from God. I, uh, I saw this uh, communicated very powerfully at a concert a week ago. My wife and I and some friends went to a Switchfoot concert downtown Chicago. Some of you may know this rock band. Um, they're an interesting band. Switchfoot is, they're all Christians. In fact, most of them are pastor's kids. But they have appeal outside of the Christian world, and they've worked hard to be a crossover band in that regard. All of their songs, their lyrics are conveying very deep theology without using any religious terminology. And uh, sure enough, at the concert, that same approach is taken. The, the lead singer, John Foreman, he's, he's deep, but he's very cautious in not sounding preachy. And so between songs, at one point, he said this, and kind of caught me off guard. He was like, guys, is tonight extraordinary or what? He goes, I'm telling you, being here tonight, it's gift. It's gift. And I was a little bothered by his bad grammar. I thought to myself, uh, a gift is a noun, and you're using it like an adjective. And no, 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 no. And he totally disregarded my objection and continued to use the word gift in that way. He said, look at the people around you, those that you know and love, family and friends. They're gift. People are gift. And he said, song, music, it's gift. And he said, a night, a Friday night to have off and enjoy these people. It's gift. The very air we breathe is gift. Life is gift. And then he said, it's all gift. And I'm like, wow. That's really good. And that's biblical. That's right on. He was saying, in a sense, every single time, every good and perfect gift that we find in life is coming from the Father. It's undeserved. It's grace. It's gift. And I got thinking since then. It's kind of that phrase has been haunting me. What if I lived each day, all day, recognizing it's all gift? I didn't earn any of it. I don't deserve any of it. What, what if I, what if you, as you go to eat lunch, you know, you, you can do it one of two ways. You can say, I earned this lunch. Enjoy. Or what if you said, listen, I love this food and I just recognize I don't deserve it. It's all gift. Some of you say, no, no, that's nonsense. You did earn the money to uh, buy the food. Yes, but you got to think back. You earned the money, but how did you get a job? That was gift. You say, well, I'm good at my job. Okay, your ability to do your job well. Where did you get that ability? You know what we call that? Your gifting or your giftedness. That's a good word for it because it's just that. Your ability is a gift. It's not something you deserved. It's something God gave you undeserved. The opportunity in your life to pursue the educations you've received, it's gift. 
the, the, uh, the health of your body, being able to do your job wholeheartedly. It's a gift. Friends, what if you looked at nature as you drove down the street and you saw the sunrise and said, oh, it's a gift. The car you're driving, oh, it's a gift. The birds beautifully flying through the air, oh, they're, they're a gift. What if you woke up in the morning and you realized as you breathe air and enjoy a measure of health, oh, it's a gift. This day is a gift. The shower is a gift. The home is a gift. These people, they're a gift. If you went through your day singing all his gift, it would change everything. To show you what it would change, allow me to make a little list here. If, if you saw everything through this lens, it's all gift. Here are some things that would change. There would be no jealousy. Remember jealousy in this parable? The, the guy who was in the merit-based system, he was like, oh, he's got more than I. That's not fair. I deserve better. Jealousy is a awful acid that rots the heart. But if you're, it's all gift. If you say, I know what I deserve. I deserve nothing. And to my surprise, the scandal is that I've got much. Maybe not as much as he or she, but the simple point is I deserve nothing and I've got much. And so I'm grateful instead of jealous. Or how about this? Uh, humility. Do you notice those who have a merit-based system, they look at the stuff in their lives and they pat themselves on the shoulder. I earned it. I'm pretty impressive. But those who understand that it's all gift, they don't do that. They're like, listen, I've got blessing in my lives, but I am keenly aware that my ability is a gift. My job is a gift. My education is a gift. I've been gifted so much. I don't get it. Why, Lord, why? And there's an inherent glory to God and humility of soul because we see it all as undeserved gift. What's next? You see, a line through disappointment. There's no more disappointment. Disappointment is born out of entitlement. Disappointment is when, listen, I deserve a better life. I am so disappointed with my life because I think I should have better. If, if you have a, it's all gift mentality, it's like, listen, I expect nothing. I deserve nothing. And when I have something, I'm like, Lord, why? And as a result, there's just not the disappointment that follows those who have an entitlement mindset. Delight. Friends, there can be so much joy and delight in life. If you go through each day just noticing the little things and saying, there again, it's a gift. I'm going to enjoy this this afternoon, recognizing that I don't deserve it. It's another demonstration of God's undeserved love in my life. You delight in his love all day when you're just celebrating, enjoying the goodness, saying it's all gift. It's all gift. Oh, the joy that can be yours through this perspective. Next, you get rid of the resentment towards God. You know, so you see Salieri getting bitter towards God and resenting him. That's where this merit-based system can go. Many people have turned their back on God saying, you've disappointed me. I deserved better. Ooh, dangerous. And when you realize you deserve nothing and God has gifted you so much, there's that resentment is removed. And then lastly, contentment. I notice this beautiful contentment through the ups and the downs in those who have a grace, it's all gift mentality. In the good times, they're just, Lord, I give you praise. I don't understand why. 
And in the bad times, they're like, yeah, this is life on this planet. I don't expect otherwise. And they have this beautiful emotional consistency through the ups and downs of life. Oh, friends, changing your glasses, the way you see everything from the, I deserve it, to the, I deserve nothing. God, why are you blessing me so? It is a profound shift in the way to live. And I challenge each of us, let's practice begging God to help us realize all the good in every day is not about earning. It's all about his amazing grace. Well, one little note that I would mention, and that is this. Whenever we receive a gift, somebody pays. Did you ever think about that? Going back to my original illustration, when I was spending that $110 on a gift card, gift to me, somebody paid, namely my mother-in-law who bought the shirt paid. Well, what about when God floods all of these blessings into our lives? Who's paying? The Lord is. And more specifically, Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price on the cross. And when he died in our place, paying, satisfying justice for us, that opened the door to reconciliation with God and the flood of grace God brings our way. Jesus paid the price so we could be forgiven and blessed of God. And we're going to sing a song now in closing that's called How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Do you know this song? It's got this great line in it I'd like to remind you of. Uh, This line says, Why should I gain for his reward? It's marveling at the economics of God, the economics of grace. It's his reward. Jesus died on the cross. He's the one who paid the price and should be rewarded, but I receive his reward. The line goes on. It says, why should I gain for his reward? I cannot give an answer. (laughs) Throwing your hands up going, man, it's just mind-boggling how much I get that I don't reserve. Goes on. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Oh, the joy of receiving grace, undeserved riches at Christ's expense. Would you pray with me? God, I feel the need to repent. Maybe my friends are with me. I have adapted an attitude of entitlement more than I want to admit. I've had that salieri mindset of, come on, why is this happening to me? Lord, I'm sorry for thinking that. Or looking at others saying, I deserve what they get. Lord, I am sorry. I understand. We understand. It's not about earning or deserving. Lord, we deserve nothing. We just say it. Help us believe it. Help us see it. And help us see, please, this day, God, help each of us to see accurately and realize it's all gift. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.